0: The purpose of the fire, why the fire comes, when the fire comes, and what happens after the fire. And the purpose of it. That's what we don't understand. We had a lady come in. One of these visions has a circle, and it has seven men in it, and it has a ring of fire. One lady came in, and she goes, I don't like that picture. And we asked her why, and she goes, that makes me think like I'm going to hell. It's amazing how people associate fire with hell, when if you're in God, fire is a good thing fire is a good thing. And we just have to learn to understand it. So, and one of the things that the Lord said in his word, praise God, is that we are going to be baptized. We have, there's baptisms. And that's what we're on the section about. We're going to learn about the baptisms. And the first baptism is John the Baptist came in. What did he do? He baptized us in water, right? But that's not even the first, that's part of the first baptism of the baptism of Christ coming into your heart, being saved. Then there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then there is the baptism of fire. And it's awesome that everybody, if you're in spirit, he is on the fire. He is on the fire. He wants us to understand the fire. He wants us to know the difference between strange fire and, um, I thought that was mine. Strange fire. And he wants us to know what the real fire is because the church has it all mixed up. It's all mixed up. But once you hear the truth of the word, you now will know how to rightly divide what environment you're in. And if you have Christ in you, you are protected as long as you're always inviting him into your heart and saying, I only want to receive what is of God. We've talked about that so much. When you enter into anything, you invite in the Holy Spirit and you only want what God has for you. Sometimes our heart wants to please so much, we go into a place and we want that to give us something. When God just, it could be one word that you were sent there to hear, it, it's not about everything. It's about taking one piece. I have this little thing. It says, "It says, um, I don't want to be your whole life. I just want to be your favorite part." Do you know what I'm saying? Sometimes when we step into things, we kind of think we look at the whole perspective. When sometimes he just wants to pick out us to pick out the favorite part that he has for us in it. Do you know what I'm saying? We can't be everything to everybody. We gotta be. We gotta. We gotta pick the part that has to do with me. And what God is asking for me, you know what I mean? And that's where, you know what, I don't encourage people listening to other people's prophecies and getting into everybody else's stuff. you got to worry about what God is doing for you because in that he's going to use you for others unbeknownst to prophecies, unbeknownst to anything, you know what I mean? And we're building a body here of true understanding of Christ. See, and we our heart is to get everybody where they need to be and we get them where they need to be, then you can be used for the body. But you know what? That's why I challenge people when, the, when people say, it's not about you. It's not about you. In the beginning, it's about you getting about him. <laughs> then it's about others. The first glory in Corinthians says is that you have to first get your alignment with God first. And if your alignment is being put, snapped right, the first thing he is working is your immediate family. He can't use you for other things until he starts using you in the place where you're at. And those are your victories that then God then uses you to press out. That's what's so amazing about Robin. And the Lord really had told me to honor Emily for Mother's Day. But he said in honoring Emily, you're going to, that Robin's going to be honored because Emily would never even be up here if it wasn't for the prayers of Robin, because I've watched that cycle. That cycle is, they came here, how many years ago was that? Five years Four or five years ago when she, the Lord sent her here and she lived in my house, she was like, my mom and sister, I thought he just fell. (laughs) My mother and sister are going to come live in here. It didn't feel right. Do you know what I mean? Like it didn't feel like it was the right time, but I didn't say anything. They they came here and then they ended up what? Going back to Texas. You know what I mean? But her heart was right. Her heart has always been right for her mother and her sister. And now you watch them. They came back at the right time and you watch how God is drawing them because of her testimonies. And so sometimes the biggest honor we can have is bringing somebody else in. And then God just loves that because he did something with you. Then he wants you to help another person. But we have to understand the baptisms. And it's really important because our goal here in sonship is to grow up in Christ knowing how to follow him and knowing the truths of the word. And so we're going to do a lesson called baptized into Christ. It's the first baptism baptized into Christ. And so I'm going to give you a couple of, um, just some, just some little bit highlights here. The word baptism means immersed to dip, to plunge into, into water. It is so awesome to think that Jesus did the same thing when John the Baptist baptized him. Can you imagine baptizing Jesus? But Jesus had to go the same way we had to go. So, John the Baptist was already born before Jesus, so he could be what? He could, his main highlight of his life was to baptize Jesus, to go the same way we had to go. And so the first baptism is our, immerse, is our immersion into Christ. The first time we know, whew, we are given up. We want to give up our old ways. And we don't know how to do it because we want the things that are in Christ that we don't even know what's in Christ. But we actually have the born again experience. We are born back to God through Jesus, through death, burial, and resurrection. God wants us to keep that in mind. Go to um, John 3.3. 3. John 3, 3, and this is just, this is going to be the intro of just understanding the first baptism, which I know a lot of you have already experienced this. So everything I'm going to say, you're going to be like, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I get that. But now this will help you help somebody show somebody. It says, Jesus answered him. I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you that unless a person is born again, a new from above, that means you're already born from the body. You are already physically born from a mother. you know what I mean? But now there has to be a new birth awareness, and it is of your spirit. He can never, ever see, know, be acquainted with, and experience the kingdom of God. So here's this. I love this. We have two circles that sit before us, right? And we're either in one, the kingdom of darkness, or we're either in the other one, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. When we ask Christ to enter in our heart at a broken moment, do you know, I can come up, if he was lost, I can come up and say, let me just pray for you to accept Jesus. And he'll go, yeah, 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 okay, 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 (laughs) okay. All right. But yet it wasn't his appointed time. How do you know in brokenness? I remember when she got saved, she thought she was saved. The whole time she's thinking, why? Because she loved God, but she had... She was not really acquainted with the experience of him. I remember her walking down that aisle and I just remember how, how hard her, it hit her. She knew then that God was real. She knew that that was, it was her time. And then she was like, well, I guess I knew about him, but I didn't really, you never experienced him like that. So remember, we're trying to get people out of, if we have people standing on the fence, Standing on the fence means you still live in the kingdom of darkness, but you what? Believe in the kingdom of God. You just haven't experienced the realm of the kingdom of God. Hey, Wendy, you haven't experienced it. So he reminds us that as we're working with people and we start explaining them that first baptism, the first thing that they need to know is the first baptism isn't always about water. That's the water part of it. It really is the immersion of your heart into Christ. It's the immersion of your heart. Go ahead and give me John 20:22. 20, John 20:22. 20, Praise the Lord. I mean, this is awesome. We can be so zealous for God, but you know what God really wants us? He wants us in that kingdom of God experience so our eyes are open to know when to work with the right person at the right time. Everybody has an assignment when we become confident in Christ. We're not going to worry about the non-assignment, we're going to worry about the assignment. That's where the blessing is for the day, is that assignment. And we have to know how to move in those things. And so, but he says, I'm going to put you in a place to grow you up. You have to be in a place to be in a hidden place to grow up. It says, and having said this, he breathed, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to think about this. After I walked into this ministry. I knew I believed in God, but I really didn't know the true filling of that Holy Spirit feeling. Do you know what I mean? When Christ really emptied my breath and then filled my breath with his breath, let me tell you, it happened in my bed. Something pulled my head back and it was like all the breath was taken out of me. And then I couldn't even keep up with it. It was so much being poured into me and I, I, I had not read much word yet. I had not known what was happening to me. And it was just like, I felt like I was eating all the scrolls. That's exactly when I read that. I always say that breath, that, that CPR <laughs> that was happening on me then. It was like I was stuck in that position. I was immobilized all night. That was Yeah, he was definitely filling my assignment at that time. But unbeknownst to my understanding, every time I read that, that's powerful to me. But are we receiving it? We have to relax and let God be God and tell the Lord, when you sit in bed, you're like, Lord, just fill me with what I need for today. Fill me with what I need. Man, you can be filled once, but you need to be filled what? Every day. When we come in here, there is so much happening now in this place. Daily, strangers walk in. Daily, something's happening in here. But guess what? Everybody who's called to be in here during the day, they've got to be what? Prepared. And ready, and guess what happens? The enemy comes in to do what? Strike the soul with something to get you to miss a moment. I praise the Lord, you know, for things that happen. I praise the Lord that Mamie got that vision for my daughter. That was so incredible because Rachel wasn't here, but the Lord said, copy that tape, give it to Rachel on her way to Cordill today. Rachel got immobilized by God in the car today. Wow. She had to call Mamie so because the Spirit of God hit her so much, preparing her for her eyes to be open for her next assignment. Awesome. It was so powerful. We were blessed. But you know what? We have to be open to receive the movements of our life. Do you know what I mean? God knew that Rachel wasn't supposed to be here that night. She was going to receive it in her car on her own. Sometimes things that happen with God, they're They're private. They're not always publicized. And so God moves us in that way to know, I am going to fill you with my breath. I'm going to lift you up. And there are different layers of this as you grow. And it's okay. But be open to do what? Receive. Man, the church is, I don't know if, I shouldn't say church. I just know other beliefs try to get you receiving is about things. Man, you've got to receive what's in the vineyard up in the heavens into your body which is the sacrifice that god wants you he wants to enter into you to dwell in your heart and to fill that up and i'm going to tell you you float and if you can capture it every day man the hard thing is when you're capturing it one day and then you take a couple days off and then you feel miserable and then you capture another day and then you you got to capture it every day and you hit levels in the glory that I call it glory neutral. You know what glory neutral means? You're riding it. You're riding the wave. You're good. You're in the neutral. Neutral means what? The car just keeps what? Moving. You're not even doing anything. All right. Because you're willing to receive the breath of the Holy Spirit daily. Daily. So it's awesome. Give me Romans 8.2. There is a law in the spirit of life. Now, it's kind of understanding because in Galatians, it tells us that we are to, there is no law against love. There is no law against self-control. There is no law against long-suffering. There is no law against kindness and um, gentleness. For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ. So that means when you see someone standing in the circle of the kingdom of darkness, all you have to do is start doing what? Praying for them. You don't have to do anything. You just have to be nice to them. God just wants you to be nice to them. Pray to them. Overlook their things. Because if you're kingdom God, you're responsible for that. Because if God puts you somebody before you, puts a face before you, or has you in a situation, there is an assignment there. Then we're going to meet people that, of course, have their foot in the kingdom of darkness, foot in light. All right? Well, then that means that person is going to reap both from two ends but never really know the truth. They'll never really know the truth because it, when you're in the kingdom of God, God puts you in a place, especially in this dispensation, to grow up. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of years of buildup to understand the dispensation we're in now. Because think about it. Since the time, this is we were talking about this today. Since the time the earth was created, breath spoken, called out by God, right? When man started generations, do you know every generational line up to the de- when Jesus was born, which is 42 generations, sin is in his family line. So there's the first sin, Eve, you know, and Adam fall out of the garden. Then there's a second sin. Then there's a third sin. Then there's a, Jesus was born in a body full of every generational sin in his body. But he was what? Blameless. He was born into the physical body that carried all the sin. But his spirit, he was born full of the what? Spirit, okay? He was born full of God. But he had to fight off the sin that was in his body. He didn't yield to any of the sin. Because when it was time for him to be crucified, he was going to take every stripe of every sin. And the true, the true, I love this. It says the soul every disease that's redeemed in the soul will re- will heal the body so when we pray for people's healings we got to pray for the diseases in the what soul he took all those stripes for what's in our soul the body's just the manifestation Jesus was born into the manifestation of sin he had to yield to everything he probably felt the temptation when God lifted up he had to feel the sin of molestation He had to feel the sin of adultery. He had to feel all the sins of lies. We had to feel every single one. That's the only way we could be what? Redeemed. Okay? Redemption happens through the blood, and the blood is a shedding of something. Even the Old Testament, before they brought the animal sacrifice, they sprinkled the altar with what? Blood. You have to go through blood. Jesus, in the night of the garden, he was praying so hard, he bled, he sweated out. Blood, that was the start, the compression of the soul. Then to be lifted out to what God had for his plan, which his job was to be the first fruit. His job was to set the law of light and life. He set it the day he went through that. Okay, God has that same move for us, but we don't have to physically be on a cross taking the hits. We take the hits here, Because what has to be redeemed here, if there's any sickness in my body, then there's something in here that has to be burned and consumed in a sacrifice so that this can be redeemed. Now, I'm telling you, that's what we're teaching. I'm teaching on the fire of God. On Saturday, God has, the revelation is so strong that everybody, and I'm going to tell you, everybody's going to reassess what their minds are because God wants to bring his fire down and consume the sacrifice. See, man, Jesus, Jesus did teach us the way. And he taught us how painful it was in the garden to actually do the offering of the sacrifice. He became the offering, the body of the sacrifice. He was the lamb. The more you understand these things, man, you want to scream out, thank God for the lamb of God. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords because he showed us the way of the full plan of redemption. And guess what? We're only asked to suffer where? Here. But if we hold on to it, we're going to suffer where? Here. Because we all have our own generational line going down. And thank God, we all don't have it all in our body. If we did, it would... She's got her generational line to sin. She's got her generational line. She's got her... He's got his. Everybody has what they're called, the measure they're called to deal with. And the one you're called to deal with, when you get redeemed, you're going to bring in the multitude. Do you know what I mean? When Jesus took the bread, he lifted it up. He said, I bless you, Lord. For this bread and then he did what break it when you break in your soul boom you just redeemed your body you there's a resurrection that happens the lord showed me that when he multitude with the five fish and the two, the two fish and the five loaves the lord showed me what they stand for and that's a teaching i'm going to do and it's awesome because the five have to do with the five five dark spirits that when each one of them gets broken, then a multitude, and it gets passed out by the disciples. The fish actually represent leviathan, and it represents another, another an force. But that's a really awesome teaching because when he broke them, yeah, that's the big fish. That's a big fish, and there's another fish. It's called Dagon. It's called the. It's called the spirit of, and it has to do with half man, half fish. And that's it. when those two fishes get broken, boom, talk about the, you can actually feed the multitude what God needs them to have. And the other ones are Judas, uh, uh, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's Judas, there's Absalom, there's five of them that are the bread. And then there are the two fish. When they get broken, oh man, and guess what? We all had them. <laughs> you can read those. You can go through that list. Yeah, I did that. I said, when I I, I I love it. When I start studying them, you have to really look at God and look at yourself. And you look at your old self and say, I did that. And then, man, when you deal with yourself, he starts humbling you, humbling you. Then you have to look at it as, how did I betray Christ? How did I do that to Christ? Then when you get broken on that level, then he says, now you can see what I see. Wow. And see, that's what we're all in the maturity of. There are rotations, and we go every time the breakout every... Hey, I'm telling you some bread and fish are being broken, broken, increase, broken, increase. The word says there has to be declined before there is increase. So everybody has to go to the depths of truth. And you know what? Everybody's looking for the smooth, the glory neutral. That takes time. It takes time to get on the glory neutral plan, but you have to really be a follower of Christ. You have to know you're baptized in Christ. He makes it really clear. For the spirit of the law of the spirit of life is in Jesus Christ. So, you know what? I love it. God says, I have, I do protect the ignorant. The ones who aren't saved, man, they're like, they're, there's a day. So he protects them. It's the ones who teeter, who teeter wanting the benefits of the world of darkness, but still using the other to draw the attention of what that feeds them. And so it becomes crazy. It gets created, but yet God already, he lifts it up to do what, everybody? Break it. He wants to break it. And so praise God, this is going to be a ministry of breaking, you know? So Romans 8, 11 through 17, 8, 11 through 10. The kingdom of God is in Jesus Christ. I love it. It is a kingdom of power. It's a kingdom of peace. And how do you know you have it? There is righteousness. right standing in God is knowing you're forgiven. Man, talk about that first one. There is no peace and there is no joy until you realize he has truly forgiven you. Do you know what I'm saying? There is no peace because you're constantly doubting. Am I forgiven? Am I forgiven? That's why unforgiveness is so important for us to break. Because then once we know that we are righteous in him and we don't have to justify ourselves to anybody else but in him, Then you actually experience a level of peace. The first row is recognizing your righteousness. The third row is gaining your peace. Let me tell you, the people in the last row are full of joy. Do you know what I mean? There are the levels. I could never feel the fullness of joy in the beginning stages because I was still worried if he wasn't going to leave me or forsake me. If I did something wrong, I didn't worship this morning. Oh my God, are you leaving me today? (laughs) I didn't do it for three hours. You know what I mean? And so it is funny. I used to dictate my time that that is saying what my eye was looking at. It was still looking at what self. I was looking at my self performance. Okay. That's where we do need to break in for hours at first. Because when you break in in hours, I'm telling you, he is getting, he is working this did you get you to get used to it. It takes 30 days to create a what? A habit. It takes three days to break it. So let me tell you something. That's why you can't go too long. So you know what I did for myself? I worshiped in the very beginning when I really got into the flow of worship. I worshiped every day. And I knew I had to do it, so I was just get up excited. But then I would take Sundays off. My Sunday was my day of rest. I did not get up and worship. But my body was so used to it. I'd still get up and sit. And then I'd be like, okay, I'm trying to sleep. And then I didn't sleep. And I would read more in the world. Sunday became like full of the word. You have to have balance of both. Do you know what I mean? You really do have to have a balance of both. Romans 8, let me have, oh, 8, 11. Okay. It says, if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised up Christ Jesus from the dead will also restore to life your mortal, I like this, your short-lived, perishable bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. This is deep. If you have gotten the first baptism, which is Christ in you, so that means your Holy Spirit, it's generated, it's moving. But you may not feel it yet. But if you come in alignment with that, he even says... It says, who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. If you could just, okay, he is in me. He's not going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me. He does not want to leave me without any of my needs. And he's going to test that. He tests if you really believe if he's in if He's in you. He actually says that every time you pass one of those tests, it says he was raised up from the dead. So he actually even promises that even in our short little life, our, we can have abundant life now as well as our eternal promise. Which, what is that? Restoring something in our mortal body. Man, it is so strong in Third John. When it says, Beloved, as much as your soul, your health will prosper, as much as your soul prospers. Man, I'm telling you, it's all about the head. It is all about the head, Jesus. You know what I mean? Because he even says he will restore everything. I know everybody in here can be healed. My faith is so strong on it. It's asking God. What is the word that's going to heal their soul first? Yes. Right. When we can follow order, everything has to benefit our body. Now that's a hard, that is, that is hard for people. You know, when you go in, you go into hospital, it is funny. Rachel's eyes. I'm going to use this. I am going to use this. this It's awesome. Every time Rachel's been going towards doing something. Something happens with her eyes, and her eyes break out red, and she doesn't know why. And then it keeps happening. Well, finally, she's so tired of it. she was like, "I need to go to the doctor." I was like, "You can go to the doctor," <laughs> but I was just like, "You're my, you're my daughter." I mean, I know, I know what's in our household, and I said, "But you can go to the do- you can go to the doctor." Well, of course, they can't find anything wrong, but whatever the irritation has caused it, they can't figure out why it's left little scars on her. One, it's actually left damage but they don't even know why it's happening. It's not pink eye. It's not something bacterial. They did all the tests. I'm loving it. But they said, but there's some scars on your eye from whatever you're, whatever you're going through. She's so frustrated because she paid $150 <laughs> to hear she doesn't know what to do. And they gave her some drops that will heal the scars. So then they said, oh, you got to come to a follow-up, which was yesterday. For You have to go to a follow-up two weeks later. She goes in for the follow-up, has to pay $75. And of course, I'm not paying for it. Do you know what I mean? I'm not, but she's going to have to pay for it out of her heart and money. She goes in there and he just goes, he looks at her eye. He looks, she said, mom, I wasn't even there two minutes. He's like, all right, everything's good. Well, wait, what do you mean everything's good? Tell me what's wrong. All she wants to hear is what? What's wrong? What's wrong? And she, how are my scars? He said, they're fine. I don't know. You're fine. There's nothing wrong. Hey, pay me $75. (laughs) Right? I love it. God wants to waste our time, right? Well, the whole time Rachel had listened to the Saturday night. Mamie says he's going to do what? Touch her eyes. Oh man, she it was. <laughs> and Mamie had no. Nobody knows about Rachel and the eye doctor. Do you know what I mean? But it's God is about to redeem something in Rachel's life. But first, it's going to have to be where. In the whole, the more we get away from where God wants us to be, things start rising up in our body. That's the first sign. You know, God's coming close. The more sicker you get, the closer He is. And that's where the miracle is. That's why I get so excited when somebody gets sick. You think I'm crazy. If somebody is sick, God is on your tail. If something's breaking, God is about to get something right in your soul. I ask the Lord, show me what they need right. What is the word they need for today? What is it? Because the moment it's spoken in the ear, it's the ear. The ear receives the faith. It's not what we see. It's what we hear. I ask God every morning, give me the words. And it's amazing what happens in here. I mean, he really does it. I mean, it overtakes me. I feel like passing out half here on Mondays and Thursdays. I mean, it is incredible how it's just in the ear. Keep your ears attentive. Guard the heart for the lie. Because remember, the spirits float around you. The ones who have to speak the truth, the enemy tries to stop. Why? Because it'll come before and have another word spoken into your ear. Which one are you going to believe? If you're already assigned to something, just count on that you're going to get the wrong ear too. You're going to get the wrong word too. They travel together. It's parallel. Do you ever see the planes when they land and the guys have the things and they're like this, right? That is the positive and negative forces that, believe it or not, drawing you to come forward right? You're going to hear what is the truth and you're going to hear what is the lie. Count on it. Just count on it. That's what I do. All right. If something big's happening, I'm going to get the lie first. But how is the tone of my hearing to hear if it is a word of God or hear if it's from the devil in their voice? That's why we need to get the word so we know who's drawing us off the path. Because whatever draws us off the path is going to look like God, smell like God, sound like God, convince you that it is God. But you can really miss it. And all it's doing is just keeping you. And how do you know it? You constantly feel disappointed. That's the biggest sign. Oh, I'm so disappointed. And you're feeling it. And then you're like, let me sit down and talk to somebody. I don't want to tell them I'm disappointed (laughs) because they're going to tell me there's something wrong with me. You know what I mean? And no, when somebody's disappointed, that means it's time. There is a word to be said. The moment the disappointment rises, it's time for the word and those who are submitted and maturing in Christ. It's the bottom row. It's the bottom row people. That's the powers in them to get you to get there. Okay. Everybody needs everybody in this, in this. It's not just by one person. So i want everybody to focus restoring life it's our ultimate mission everybody was born to help a life be restored right james and james is going through it his a lot the life is the 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 i like it life and wife it goes (laughs) i was going to say james life and wife james (laughs) is awesome it's right there the assignment but guess what the enemy comes to what? Steal. Kill and destroy so that you actually get weak in body. If you can get weaker in sickness and illness and because you're so worried about somebody else because you're not taking care of here. Man, that's what they want the enemy wants to get you down because he knows how many people you need to save. He knows how many people you need to help restore. And remember what I said it all comes in what column first? Who do you get to restore first? Your family. Right? God can't have you out if you're not taking care of that column. The first test is family. There was more anointing here. As Gene took care of his family, the anointing would rise. At Carrie. As Carrie keeps growing and he keeps taking care of his who? Family. family. And guess who the hardest ones take care of? Family. Right? Family is the hardest. But it's the first assignment. That's where the, there is a power. That Robin, come on, girlfriend, the way she's brought in Darla and and all them. And I love because she's so transparent. (gasps) I can't take it today. I can't take it today. I'm kicking them out. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But she's holding on. It says, so then, brethren, we are what? Debtors. Man, we have our own offenses. Hebrews chapter 5 tells us, why wouldn't you help that person? You're just as weak as them. It says, if we can't look at somebody, no, I am that I am as weak as them. I have been that weak before. That means we have more we have more authority and more power. So who's more accountable? Right? If we if we're the one chosen to lift up the family, then you. It, it's he he gives us that warning. He says, don't think that your debts are worse than theirs. You were once there. How do you know my love? You're willing to surrender her so that other love can lift up. He says, so then, brethren, we are what? Debtors, but not to the flesh. We are not obligated to our cardinal nature. Do you know if you made an agreement with somebody that's a complete lie from your cardinal nature, that means your flesh, what your flesh wants, do you know all you have to do is just ask God to break it now in the name of Jesus? And we hold on to promises that God didn't make. The only promises we got to hold off of what's in covenant We start making promises to other people that are not in the covenant, okay? And so now you got to worry about what... That's why it's the family first, because they're the ones in your covenant, all right? So he, he does it. He raises one up to change that, who won't yield to their cardinal natures because they realize they're a debtor too. Man, isn't that powerful? Doesn't that make you just want to love people more? Because you can look at people and see all their mess and then just say, oh... I had that same mess too. I just looked at mine as better. (laughs) Right? Come on, don't you try to say mine was better. Right? Have you, Prissy, have you been there where you thought maybe yours wasn't so bad but theirs is terrible? Right? I'm just being honest, you know what I mean? I mean, everybody's done that type of thinking. That's what we have to lay down that theirs is no worse than mine because a debt is a debt and it still has a payment. And you know what? The best thing about Jesus, if you do the one he's assigned you, guess what he does? He pardons you in such grace. You can't even receive that kind of grace. You know when you're in it because you're just like, and you're feeling the whole time, I don't feel like I'm getting anything out of it. But then you start getting his grace. And then his grace starts moving the more you claim an other man's debt. Ah, I remember when the Lord said to me three years ago, you're now going to pay on a debt that's not yours. I didn't get what he was saying. And he showed me a debt on a piece of property. He said, now you should keep going and you keep paying debt on that. So I would go in, take an extra $1,000, pay on somebody's debt. They have no idea. And I would put $1,000 here two months later, another $1,000 on their payment. $1,000. I would walk out of that bank and feel what? Elated. Because the debt he showed me was in the same bank that I had my business loan in. So I went to the lady. Oh, you get this by bad banking, right? All right. I went, I was like, hey, this person has our mortgage here. And she said, she, I didn't know they did. I even knew it, the name and everything under it. And I said, look, if I go and give you cash, will you pull, pay down that person's payment? And it was so cool because the lady was like, yeah, I can do that. I said, but don't tell them. If they call and figure it out, don't tell them who it was. And she's like, yeah. What well, was really cool. She did that. Do you believe that? I think that's so cool right. You can't tell. But the thing is, she was willing to take it on and she couldn't read the screen to me. And I said, well, I know it's on this property and I know it's this name. And she just looked it up and went, okay. I said, so can I give you money? To it? She said, okay. She couldn't tell me anything on that screen. All she could do was confirm that I had the right bank The right name and the right address. I said, they still owe money on it? Yes. So I kept paying on it. But God was trying to show me something. He said, Lee, I'm trying to show you when I asked you to pay on someone else's debt, you're going to redeem something for them. Do you know three years later that property was completely paid off? And it had a $200,000 debt on it. Paid off. So when God asked you to sow into a debt that is not yours, the first debt he's going to have you sow into is a person. And if you're willing to surrender sowing into a debt, that person's debt, that's not yours. And you love it like it's yours. He had his word cannot come back. What? Void. The Lord showed me that his word was if I would sow into that debt, he would clear that debt. And he did. I'll never forget when the person told me my debt was cleared. I, I my, never even knew what I did. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you see the beauty of it? I just smiled inside when I heard that they got their debt paid off. I just smiled. Because God might be using you to move something in the kingdom. Bring something back to life. The person looks different. The person's happier. They don't have to what? Pay a mortgage. Okay? I mean, isn't it awesome? Do you get where I'm going? And it's not even the place the person lived in. There were renters in there. Isn't that awesome? Come on. Come on, you think, a person would think, oh, I'm still helping them. Do you know what I mean? Because they live there, right? No, it's whatever the assignment was. I love it that we have property management. I love it that we have a real estate firm because you can do some things. People give you, <laughs> it is awesome what God is going to do through this company. But we have to be open to know Jesus died for a debt that wasn't what? His He was born right from heaven, from the glory. He was perfect. He came in the form of a body that was full of every sin. Every sin. He actually had to come and live in debt to redeem us into the resurrection. Come on. This is a guarantee. If I can't give you anything that's a guarantee, your debts are going to get paid. But as your soul Pays into another soul's debt. Are you all getting this? Paying into another soul's debt. It says, but not to the flesh. We are not obligated to our cardinal nature, our lies. To live a life ruled by the standards set up by the dictates of the flesh. Oh my gosh. If I was going to listen to the banking world, right? I would think I can't go in there and ask this and do this and blah, blah, that. Do you know what I'm saying? Sometimes, oh, I can't do that because the world says this. No, but God says this. And when he pulls you toward something, he starts moving certain things when he sees how you are walking right to it. And you've decided I am taking nothing less than what the word promises me. I'm going to tell you, that is faith that cannot be broken. When you say I take nothing, if I'm supposed to be healthy, then you show me what needs to come out of my soul so I can be redeemed to pay. Another debt. Isn't that beautiful? You guys getting this? That is the order. When you get redeemed here, now you can pay another man's debt. Man, it takes one step at a time. One step, but I'm gonna tell you something, just in everything I've experienced the past seven years, he has redeemed everything he told me to put my eye towards. It didn't make a difference how much of the time, whether it was a year, two years, three years, whatever it was. God says, when he showed me once, put your hands up. He goes, when you put them down and you do what I show you to do, it's going to come back. He has never not proven that to me to be right. In fact, he proved it so fast in the beginning and then he tested me on time. And now you're not going to get me off of it. I mean, you are not going to get me to move from it. If I know it is, then it is because if it's in his word, then it will be. But your level of belief of it has to be redeemed as he redeems you. He wants to redeem each and every one of us to get the full inheritance that he died for, which is to redeem all debts back to Christ in Christ. He's redeeming himself. He said he looks into your eyes. He can't help but not redeem something back to Percy when he sees his own eyes in in her eyes. There's a measure you look into the souls of the eyes. You know the truth. You know the truth. The more you grow in this, you see the debt. And God shows you how to work with that person's debt. And then they start changing. It's amazing the changes that happen in here. But we cannot be ruled by the standards set up by the flesh, which is the world. We can't look at the world's standards. We have to look at his standards. I love it. Doctors are important. They're there to diagnose, tell, tell get you confused and say i don't know why you have this you know what i mean but then there are doctors to mend when you break a bone or do something you still need what a doctor to do something but in everything is a redemption for if you live according to the dictates of the flesh now here's the here's the you will surely what die if you're going to hold on to your to your unforgiveness If you're going to hold on to the shame, if you're going to hold on to the thing that God's trying to show you to move on, then you're going to actually start dying and you actually start dying in that environment. You can be in the kingdom of God and have your foot one way here and all of a sudden you feel the oppression of death. And you know what? I showed, I did a demonstration where I had a glass and because our glass, our glass, our pots have to break to know what that is. And as you drop the glass down on this, it does what? It smothers the light. It dims the light of Christ that's already in you. Because you decide to let the world repress what he's teaching you. So he says, you will die. But if through the power of the what? The Holy Spirit, you are habitually, habitually. That means it's not a one-time kill. It is, it is a daily process It says, putting to death, making extinct, deadening the evil deeds prompted by the what? Our body wants so much love. It wants to feel so much love that we can't conceive the love flow he wants to bring upon us, which is better than any love that you can get from a human being. There is a love flow he wants to bring upon you, but there is levels of that. Some receive 30, some 60, some 100 fold. I want everybody in here to get the what? 100-fold return on the word. You can get the 60-fold return on the word. You can get the 30-fold return on the word. And see, that's where God is trying to build a place of a hundredfold returns so that we can become that body to help the people. So I like putting to death the evil deeds prompted by the body. You shall really and genuinely live forever. That means God doesn't just redeem your spirit back to Christ. He's going to start working out the soul and moving that out. And that you have to commit to that. I want to do that. What daily? I want to do this daily because all you're doing is you're building up a house of treasury up in the heavens. You get to experience abundance here, but you're really building your future up there. I had this dream of when we all call out when you're worshiping and you're calling out to God or you're praying to God or whatever you're doing, a little light on a peg just goes out. It starts lighting up and all the angels are like, oh, Lee's worshiping. Do you know what I'm saying? And then the whole time while I'm worshiping, my light gets brighter and I'm building a foundation and there's a house being built for me in heaven. So when I come up to heaven, that is the place where God's going to have for me. But I have to keep building it. Think about all the places in heaven that people start worshiping and seeking God and then they stop seeking God or they don't choose the assignment. What happens the moment that happens? Your house in heaven stops being built. The light gets dimmed as you move away from what God has called you to do. God does not care about your gifts. He cares about your call. He cares about where you're assigned, what you have to accomplish in the call. The gifts help you get through that. That's the problem with the church. They're manifesting people's gifts and not manifesting their call. And it's failing. People think they're excited because they have the gifts. The gifts of the Holy Spirit will help you. They're to help you grow up. And so if we're missing the call, you're not growing up into anything. You're just maintaining your gifts, maintaining your gifts, maintaining your gifts. You've got to to want the call of God. Everybody's born with it. Everybody's born with it. Your gifts are to help you mature in the call. I feel it hurts when you see somebody working and not maturing. And you see that they're really miserable because they didn't take the call. They missed the call. And then God says, okay, well, I'm going to give them some time because I love them so much. He says, if you don't take the call, he still loves you, but you're not going to get the fullness if you would have taken that call. We want everybody to learn how to do what? Take the call. What is that call? Be grown up in that call. Boom, let the flood hit you. And then every time you, and he sends like splashes. He sends splashes. So that you can be refreshed while you do the call because the call is not easy. He didn't He didn't tell us it was going to be easy. He said it was going to take endurance. He said a race takes what? Endurance. endurance. So he knows we're going to get tired. He's going to know we want to reject the call. But if you hold on, even if it's of a string, he is right there pulling you and refreshing you right at the time you need it. I've seen everybody experience that in here. So it says... For all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Sons. sons of God. We're here to be sons. We're here to be daughters. For the spirit which you have now received is not the spirit of slavery. I'm gonna tell you right now, and you nobody cannot tell me that they have this. The moment you take your call, you feel like a slave, right? Come on, you feel like a slave. When you accept the call, because you think it's a higher call, the first thing Satan does is make you feel like a slave. I'm slave. James is going through it. I feel like a slave, right? Okay, but that's what he's doing. He's trying to make you a friend. A friend does a favor. A friend lays her life down. A friend pays off another's debt. And that's the power of God that we're missing out in the church. We don't know how to lay our lives down to receive the fullness of our call. You can't go to the next level in your call until you've laid your life down to another level of glory. That's why I'm so impressed about Gene and Denny. They are the mother and father of this ministry because they laid their lives down and they went beyond what their lack was. They each thought they got married for the lack for, oh, great, I got a wife, great, I got a husband. No, they had to lay their lives down, their lack. And the moment they said, I do, boom, that picture became very available. And then they kept, they endured, they continued. And then now what they're reaping now is amazing. Do you get what I'm saying? We get to swim like little fishies right into that. Because we have somebody, we have somebody who actually broke and pioneered it. Do you know what I mean? Gives us what? Hope. The purpose of people is to give you what? Hope. Oh my God, if they can do it, that means God wants to do that for what? Me. He wants to do the same thing for me. That's how you know you're a son and daughter of God. You're gonna keep being led by the Spirit, no matter how much it hurts. But we're first going to feel like we have the spirit of slavery. But he didn't do it to put you once more in bondage of fear. Because when you take that call, the more you step forward, fear, fear, fear. And the fear is it's never going to happen. If fear is, that's not going to work. The fear is, and then you start stepping back. And every time you start stepping back, and then you're like, I'm going to go this avenue. I'm going to go this avenue. The moment you feel fear, do you know what I mean? And you back away then you have just, what, got off the path. I watched Satan try to do that to Robin came in here, had a really tough day. No offense, she really had a tough day. And it wasn't work, it was in her assignment. And the first thing she said, and, and it was just so transparent, I want to quit. And Carrie and I sat there very calmly, okay. Okay, all you have to do is just love them. I don't know, that's, that's, that's going to be a real hard thing for me to do. Do you know what I mean? But she was feeling like a what? A slave. God didn't do, he didn't put us in the call to feel like a slave, but he says you're going to feel like a what? A slave because you're going to learn how to be my friend. When you're done the call, you just became his. He stamps you with the friendship, little stamp. And then how do you know you became a friend? Because the promise comes right to you. The promise that you have. Abraham was perfect at it. His promise was his son. He received his son every time he did everything right. But then God said, one day you're going to have to do what? Kill your son. (laughs) Now, come on, that doesn't make sense. And he felt like a slave to it when he first heard it. Oh, I got to kill my son. But then faith stuck in. He said, I'm going to do it because God asked me to do it. Can you imagine how it felt to actually put your knife to kill your son? And when God saw that he was going to do it, he said, no, stop. Because God wasn't going to break his commandment. He wouldn't have broken his commandment. To kill another person but he was testing him God will test us outside the Ten Commandments he will test us outside those commandments to see do you really love me will you really take this on but then the flood that comes to you he really was the father of all nations he had six more kids after Isaac and Isaac yes after Isaac but what I liked it is every assignment you first get you feel like a be prepared to feel that little bit of a slavery Okay, but yet don't let fear keep you in slavery. The freedom of our whole life is in him. There is no freedom outside of him. Remember, our life is not for our spouse. Our love is to redeem them. Our job is the same way. Our boss is we are to be there and we may not like our boss, but you are with your boss to what? To redeem them. You are to be there. You, you can feel like they're a slave. Go in the real world. Be a slave. God's going to do something for you in it. If he puts you there, then you do the job. You learn what you've got to learn. And then he's going to redeem you in your job of promise. Do you know what I mean? He's going to redeem something in your life with people. He does it all the time. It's awesome. Go to the next verse, please. You can go to the next page. It says, but you have received, remember this, you have received the spirit of adoption that means when you feel slavery, you have to remember, I am the son and daughter of the Most High God, and He has a promise for me. If I keep doing what He wants me to do to produce, that adoption is to produce your sonship, to, re- do, to produce the best He has for you, in the bliss of which we just cry out, "Abba Father." You know what? There's a time when you cry out to the Father because you're in pain, and then there's a time you cry out to the Father because you're just, so what? Happy. And usually when you're crying out to the God because you're so happy, it's because you're receiving nothing. You've learned to be his friend. And you just cry out because he's just so awesome. And you can go down and remember every great thing he's done for you, every time he's refreshed you, every time he's put you in the right place. And it doesn't matter if your life is hell. Because like I said, every assignment feels like that at first. The spirit himself testifies together with our own spirit. We actually start becoming one in it that we are the children of God. When we start getting into a point and we feel the lift up, we're like, I am a child of God. And you feel like there's nothing we can't do together. And you realize that is the alignment of heaven on earth. It's keeping that alignment alive and not worried about anything else. Debbie's testimony, I don't know if anybody heard it, when Carrie gave Debbie her car, Debbie already, her car already broke down. She didn't come to work for two weeks. She called me "Lee, My car's broke down. I'm trying to get it fixed. I'm sorry I'm not in work. I said, it's okay. And she started getting upset about not being able to drive anywhere. She felt like a slave. slave. And then something hit her after Mother's Day. They told her her car was completely had to be impounded. There was no way to fix it. And, you know, it was eating Jean and I up. We could tell her car was, it was pitiful. We even did some things to try to just help it get by. And then, but Carrie was called to give her his car. He doesn't have another car. But he gave her his car at the moment where she was just rejoicing in her father as her father. She wasn't asking him for a car. She started laughing at her lack. And she started smiling and saying, you take care of me. And the funny thing is, a couple months before I told her, God's going to work something out of you. He's going to work something out of your soul. And then he's going to test you with a lack. And you're going to have to trust that he'll provide it for you. And I'm going to tell you halfway through it. Does everybody remember her testimony that one time where it was so bad? She was standing up here. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Everybody's calling me. Everything. It was hurting me to watch her give that testimony (laughs) because none of us could give her the lifesaver. It had to be done by who? God. God spoke to Carrie and said, give her your car, but wait, give it when I tell you. She received it when she wasn't looking to what? Receive. <laughs> that was the most beautiful part. She actually hit a point of rejoicing God and laughing because it seemed impossible. Who? How am I ever going to get a car? I'm not making enough money. I'm not going to go get a loan. She could have easily gone out and got a loan, but she didn't do it. And it was powerful the day she get when get, Carrie gave it to her on Monday. Were you here? I wasn't doing that yeah. When he sometimes Kenrick comes to our, our classes here during the week during the day. Um, He gave it to her on Monday and they were both slobbering and she didn't expect it. I mean, it was awesome. She was borrowing people's cars to even get here. And you know, Carrie did it right. He went and had the car cleaned out, new oil, full with gas, handed her the keys and the title. Isn't that awesome? And then here's even the better part. God never does anything because it's gonna cost her to change the title over, right? It costs money to do things like that. It's gonna cost money for insurance. Debbie put a tenant in a commercial lease and got paid double the commission and the check came in on that day. (laughs) I mean, I was like this, I was shocked. It came in at one, it came in at like three o'clock. I looked at it and I was like, oh my God, I photocopied it. I wrote the, I didn't, Francis was already gone for the day. So she does the rectifying the books. I was like, that girl's getting that check today. I took the commission out. It was $700. It paid more than her title, her tag and her insurance. And she had extra. Now, is that God? All on one day, because Debbie was able to lay her life down and she recognized the Lord revealed to her that she had pride. And he said, we're going to work on your pride. And you know what? I knew she couldn't pay her rent one month. I did. She she told me, and the Lord said, do not pay it. Do not be her buoy. He goes, I'm doing something with her. Do you know how hard it was not to give her the money? It killed me, but I knew. Whose friend am I? Debbie's or God's? I am God's friend. Do you know what I mean? I love Debbie, but I'm going to do what God told me to do. And even though I could have easily stroken her check for her rent, I had to do what God showed me to do because he was going to redeem something in her what? You should see her face. Isn't it different, Chris? It is different. She actually, Carrie was the giver. She was the receiver. Who is more strong? Carrie is more mature than her. Carrie was the who? The giver. The one one who is stronger has to be the what? Giver. It redeemed her debt. She had to be the what? Receiver. Assess who's around you. Who needs to receive and who needs to give? In the giving is the breaking of the one to get to their next level. The receiver, when they receive, it breaks them to get them to their next level. It's twofold. We're We're in different rotations every time. (laughs) We're not always the giver. We've got to be the receiver. And then there's times we are the Giver. giver. And then guess what? I'll tell you, which sometimes is the most painful position? The giver. Well, it all depends on your situation, but depending on the flow you're in, either can be the most toughest, but I think sometimes it's tough to be the giver. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes it's easier to be the receiver. I think the more mature you get, it's tougher to be the receiver. And then, so in the beginning, it's tougher to be the giver, but it's where the most power is. When you get more matured, it's tougher to be the receiver. Receiver. Right, right. Giving, I mean, I, I, I get that. It's harder for me to receive right now than it is for me to give. But the more mature I get, I have to be open to receiving. I have to be open to that. And that's hard because in the receiving, you still have to lift that receiving up to up to God and say, okay, what do you want me to do with that? You get tested on that level. What's the time check? Okay. So it says, the Spirit himself testifies. The Spirit testifies. Then you give the testimony with our own spirit, assuring that we are children of God. If we are his children, then we are his what? Heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs in Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. Only we must what? Share in his suffering. suffering If we are to share in his glory, I'm going to tell you right now, people sit back and say, it's all about me. It's all, I can't do this. I'm backing out. I'm not doing it. You've missed on a level of glory. Everybody's still going to receive, but we can delay our glory. Do we want to delay it? We don't want to delay the glory. We got to still partake in the suffering. The suffering is when you hear the thing you don't want to hear. The suffering is when somebody treats you bad when you don't want to be treated that way. The suffering is when God asks you to move from one place, go to another place, and you don't want to do it. It is, there is a suffering in it because in the suffering is the redemption of Christ. And so when we get moved into the first baptism, we have to recognize that that's what he's trying to do. Last verse, Corinthians, everybody loves this one. Second Corinthians chapter five, 17, because the whole purpose of the move is this. And that's why we have to know that Jesus has a plan but we've got to recognize, and I'm going to give you the list of signs to recognize that you're hitting the first baptism. It says, therefore, if any person is what? Engrafted in Christ, then he is a new creation. And that means it's a process. The old previous moral spiritual condition has to pass away. And behold, the what? The fresh and new have to come up. So it's a constant growing a vineyard in Christ. We are constantly growing a vineyard with him, one that we can give and receive from. We can come in pasture, out of pasture. And so here it is, the signs of the first baptism. Okay, one. Here are the signs of the first baptism. How do you know you know? How do you know you know? The first baptism is there is change in your life. That means there is something that really you used to do and you don't do it. There's a thought you used to think and you don't think it anymore. There's a person you can't stand and all of a sudden you just love them to death. Do you get what I'm saying? It really is, right? There's somebody that hurts you and then all of a sudden you're like, I don't see that anymore because something in you changed. How do you know you've experienced the first baptism? You are not the same person. You do not do the things you used to do or you are not driven to do them. How many people just could really land in and yell at somebody? Right? Like, I like you. You're so funny. That's awesome. And, but yet, all of a sudden, you don't feel like you do it anymore. You can't. You start it, and you're like, all right, I can't do that anymore. I'm the, I'm, he's working it in me. There is There is, oh, you know, it's so funny. If you hate to do dishes, the dishes start piling up, right? And you don't want to go do the? The dishes, all of a sudden, you know you've changed when you don't mind doing the dishes. dishes. Great, do the dishes, clean it up. Clean the bathrooms, do this, wash a window, whatever you do, You at first you don't wanna do it, but then all of a sudden you find yourself, just do it. I always say this in Christ, this has been my new thing that's got me through the past two years. What is there else to do? If God asked you to do something, why wouldn't you do it? Because what else is there to do? What, what else is there to do? There is nothing. Everything else has death on it. So why wouldn't you just do the thing he asked you? Because it can't annoy you that bad if you're in Christ. Because he says, if you just trust me every day, I'm going to remove those feelings of annoyance. I'm going to remove the feelings of anger. I'm going to remove the laziness, the procrastination, all the things that keep you from doing something. All right. You know you have been, have your first baptized because you are in relationship now with Christ not in religion, rules and regs. You're not sitting and writing down, I did this, I, I'm, I've got a relationship, I did this. A relationship does not keep count. The word says, love keeps no account of what? Evil, right? That means we don't sit there and keep a resentment list to get something. We forgive them of their debts so that we can be forgiven of our debts. The last one is you are moved from a works activated kingdom. That means you're not doing things to please God to do them. You actually move to a voice activated kingdom. That means as you are growing in the kingdom, you say what God has you say. You meditate on the word he has you to meditate. You focus on the assignment he has put in front of you. And all you have to do is rejoice from your voice. All you have to do is speak the word that's coming to you. All you have to do is say I am meditating that. I'm going to repeat that word over and over again. And the more you do that, his spirit, the fire of the Holy Spirit in you starts rising. Now this is what I'm going to teach on Saturday. This soul is the bottom of a frying pan. And the frying pan sits on our head. And when the fire starts getting what? It's hot the soul, the cooking starts to happen. And then when the cooking, all the food starts to, you hear the what? Sizzles. That means all things that aren't God start to get nervous, right? And as they start to get nervous, God comes down, and he's going to consume the sacrifice he's asked you to do. You know, there is no next level of glory unless there is a obedient sacrifice, So obedience is better than sacrifice because if you do it, then suffering is quick. If you don't do it, what happens? You are actually sacrificing, you're holding on to your own pain and you're not releasing what God has asked you to release. And so there's no miracle in that because it's called selfish worship. Sometimes when we come into Christ, we want to do selfish worship. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? When he says, I'm going to deal with you but it's not about you, but it's going to be about changing you. So it is going to be, he's got to deal with you first, but not in the way we think he's going to deal with us. So you are moved from a worked, activated kingdom into a voice. The voice is express is expressing Thanksgiving. The voice is expressing joy in your pain. You've got to thank God for the breath of the life in you. That's a, Hey, If you don't know what to thank him, thank him for the breath of life and that obviously you haven't fulfilled your call because you're still what? Here. Here? If you are still here, there is an opening for you to go right back to the call that you could be ignoring. If you are still here, there is a time to redeem the time. I know God called me in 2000 and I know I missed it and got tied up for seven years. I stayed on the ship going the wrong way for seven years. But I'll tell you when it was time to give me another chance. He caused it all. I still had to do what? Choose it. I had to come into agreement with it. And it makes no sense because it seems what? Impossible. But the call must have been that strong in my life for him to let me wallow it for six years and then come back to me. But he waited how many years? Six. So I want to warn you, when you get off the course and you don't take the call, you can delay your time. But then here's the positive. I delayed how many years? Six to seven years. Well, now I've been seven years here since then, but now it has been redeemed. I have been redeemed and it moved quicker because I should have already been what? Here. So I love it. God is never late. He really is on time. We're late. <laughs> we can make it so much easier on ourselves. Whatever God has asked you to do, if you don't do it, he's going to take you what? Right back to it. And you can run from it, but he's going to take you right Back to, I'm no kidding. When I got divorced and I sold my house, guess what he took me right back to? That house. Seven years later. He's going to take you back because he's going to deal with what you didn't deal with during that time. But guess what? If you're more in him, he's going to redeem it what? Faster. It'll be accelerated. It didn't make sense. I walked in the store and I'll never forget Verdis. She looks at me and she goes, you're going to be fast. And I thought, oh, that's a compliment. No, that means I was delayed. <laughs> that means I wasted my time. I missed the call. There was a beckoning of it. I didn't know. I didn't understand. But guess what? I did miss it. And I kind of knew I missed something. I didn't know it. I knew it deep down. I missed it. But he took me right back. And let me tell you something. So there was an intensity of my growth because I was now in it for all the chips. I threw all the chips in the, in the basket. Because I learned that even when we go after what we want, he gives you he gives you a glory feeling in the beginning. And then it will it will definitely what? Die. And he knows how to make it die to get you to go back. And that's what he did to me. He made it die, die, die in a way I could understand. And there was such death on it. And the moment I threw it up to him, he did chop, 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 chop. He did it, met Gene two weeks later. It was all done. And you know what? But it took time. And the one thing he taught me is I'm going to give you a word. You got to stand on that word and don't listen to anybody else around you. You do what I tell you to do. And it's amazing. Your journey is your journey. There are leaders to help you stay on your path, but your journey with him is your journey. And here, there are different levels of things he's working with you on. And you know what? I really know that he wants everybody to succeed at every level of glory. Every level has a different sacrifice of something you have to give up about yourself. Do you know what I mean? For for Carrie this time, Carrie, it's in a financial sacrifice because he's not out of debt. He still has a loan on his house. But God said, now give away your car. Do you know what I mean? And Carrie's like, I don't have, he even came to me. Hey, I think I'm supposed to give my car away, but I don't have another car. I guess I should wait for the other car. And I said, you're working backwards. You're working backwards. When God asks you to sacrifice, you've got to give what you don't have. If he's testing you on love, You got to give love you don't have. If he's testing you on money, you got to give everything away that you don't have. If he's got to, if he's got to, if he's asking you to do a job for somebody, you got to love that job even though you hate that job. Everything he asks you to do, he's asking you to take a step of faith. Hey, if he's asking you to move out and get your own, do it, find it, work it. He's bringing it right to you because. But you got to do it, not saying, "Oh, I'm equipped to do it." There is no faith in that. The faith is doing it afraid. The faith is doing it in what you don't know, because the moment you do that, boom, you now bring the next thing to you. But the part of the compression of the soul is because when God's asking you to do it, He really is doing something to you, and you think you're doing it for another. Yet yeah, another gets blessed, and other receives. You have to do what give. In the giving, he removes something in the soul. And I'm going to tell you, you feel physically better. Carrie looks good today. He looks different, even though he didn't want to give that car up. It was, it wasn't easy for him to do it. It took him two months. It took almost two months. It took him six weeks. And I watched Carrie every week get worse, get his soul. And he even forgot about it. He, he wasn't even going to do it. He just really said, okay, I think I miss God. He goes, I don't have a car. I love Brenda. Word of knowledge, standing up here, somebody's going to get a car. I was like, and Carrie's like, it better be me. And I was like, it's going to be Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's I couldn't tell Carrie. Carrie doesn't remember that he even told me. He remembers now. He goes, I remember telling you that on Pastors Day. On pastors totally forgot totally just, and he was feeling miserable. miserable. You watch the misery on Carrie. And the whole time I wanted to tell him, Hey, remember you got to give your car away. And the Lord said, no, he has to do it because I asked him, not because you reminded him. And it was amazing how it ate up at him and it hit him this weekend. He was crying because he knew what am I missing? And the Lord said, I asked you to give Debbie your car. Boy, when it hit him, I'm telling you, he said, he, he asked for, then he asked for two confirmations and the confirmations came like that. But yet he didn't really waste time because it came right in time when Debbie had already started rejoicing in the Lord in what she was suffering. So isn't that awesome? We never really are late. Like I looked at it. I may have delayed my life because I missed that assignment, but guess what? I gained my life stronger. This seven years have been compacted and amazing. And so that's what you have to remember. You're all sitting here because God doesn't want you to miss the call. Remember, God didn't bring me in this seven years ago. I mean, uh, 14 years ago. He didn't bring me in the store 14 years ago. He wanted me to make the mistake. I swear he wanted me to make the mistake. <laughs> so I could knew he could redeem me. You know what I mean? Because I was one that lived my life in order. You know what I mean? I was definitely the one that was like, I do the checklist of life. Great. Life's good. do and I feel good. I don't feel good. You know what I mean? I'm not happy. Why am I not happy? And so it is funny, but because I fell so hard and did the wrong thing, that's how I knew his grace was real. So I praise God for the delay because it did that. But if I was here and I got the teaching we get in here, man, I'd be seeking the call, holding on to that call because that means it comes faster. It comes back faster when you just kill it, when you just really, you know, When I say kill it, you know what I mean? Just stick to it. Just want it to happen. So I praise God. So let's just pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for the first baptism of Christ and of the Holy Spirit and of fire. Lord, we thank you for helping us to redeem our lives in the order in which you came on this earth to be